0: Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, LeBron had some interesting comments regarding criticism directed at Frank Vogel this year, plus a couple updates on both Trevor Ariza and Kendrick Nunn. LeBron was asked after practice today about criticism being levied at uh, Frank Vogel in, in Frank Vogel's direction, and normally... This type of criticism about a coach or about a teammate or anything of that really gets an athlete to basically clam up and say, hey, this is us against the world. Whatever anybody else says uh, is stupid. They don't understand what's going on. LeBron didn't really go there. Quote, I think criticism comes with the job. Frank is a hard-minded guy. He has a great coaching staff. We as players have to do a better job of going out and producing on the floor. We're a team and an organization that don't mind some adversity, that don't mind people saying things about us, obviously because it comes with the territory. We have a lot of guys on this team that's been bulletin board material for quite a long time. It don't quite bother us. Everything we do stays in-house when it comes to our preparation and how we prepare for our next opponent and how we prepare to get better. Frank doesn't care, and we don't either, about what people are saying. So, like, uh, unquote. Uh, So... I know that basically everything LeBron says gets analyzed, hyperanalyzed, and then the analysis of it gets analyzed um, and psychoanalyzed. And I don't necessarily think we need to go that far here. But again, everything LeBron says, he's been doing this for way too long, uh, and he is way too good at this to uh, not kind of want to analyze the things that LeBron says or doesn't say. And in this case, it's what LeBron doesn't say that really caught my attention. Look, usually, anytime a star gets asked about a teammate or a coach, it is immediately, screw you. Screw you and screw anybody who is criticizing us. Uh, it, depending on, you know, obviously, how that player feels about the person who is being criticized. And, and the fact that LeBron here, you know, basically says that, yeah, there's a lot of criticism that's going to be coming uh, and and Frank is used to it and Frank uh, can handle it and, and, and doesn't really ever truly answer the question, which was, you know, again, how do you feel about the criticism? It's, it's, it's just, it just sticks out to me that he doesn't go out there and say anything along the lines of the people who are criticizing Frank don't know what the bleep that they're talking about. Because he has said that about previous coaches. He has said that about teammates. He is—he he knows how to answer these things, and he knows when he says something like this, especially about a coach, and especially about a coach, by the way, who has enough noise surrounding him about whether or not he's going to make it throughout the year here. LeBron is, is hyper-aware, hyper-self-aware of the things that he says here. The fact that he doesn't really full-throatedly stand up for Frank Vogel really kind of caught my attention. And the other thing that we need to keep in mind here is the Lakers only gave Frank Vogel the one-year extension. Everything that the Lakers do goes through LeBron, every single thing. And especially in regards to head coaches, assistant coaches, personnel, all that stuff. LeBron is in on those conversations always. And, you know, it, it's it's not exactly a a really well-kept secret. I, it's, hell, it's not even a well-kept secret. It's not even a secret. Frank Vogel wasn't LeBron's first choice as coach back when he was hired. And, and you know, obviously we know how it went down with Teron Liu. Some have said that it had to do with him feeling low-balled in terms of uh, the offer that the Lakers were willing to make him. Uh, others have pointed to the Lakers wanting Jason Kidd on his staff and that Teron Liu wanted full uh, th- full control over who all is on his coaching staff. Whatever the situation might be, we know that it was Teron Liu and then Monty Williams. And then when both of those options fell through, Frank Vogel was right there. And clearly, Frank Vogel wound up being a good call here. We don't know that he was necessarily the right man for the job because we don't know how things would have gone if Teron Liu was in charge of that team. We don't know how things would have gone if Monty Williams was in charge of that championship team. But we do know that Frank Vogel did win a championship. And normally, after a head coach wins a championship, we saw it with Mike Budenholzer, they get multi-year extensions. Frank got a single year this year. And if you, again... Look at this through the prism of LeBron being in on the conversation of how long a coach is going to be asked to stick around. And then you see here, given the frustrations of the way that this season has gone down, you you start to put all of these things together and a relationship that, look, anybody who is close to the Lakers will tell you that LeBron and Frank get along really well. I have never, ever heard... Of uh, LeBron and Frank butting heads on something, I would also say, you know, my disclaimer there is that Frank is an incredibly easy guy to get along with. It seems, and Frank isn't exactly out there to ruffle any feathers or rock the boat with his with his bosses. And in this case, I know it's weird, but LeBron is kind of sort of one of his bosses, and and so when you see, you know, if if you look at this through the prism of LeBron kind of sort of being one of Frank Vogel's bosses. And this is the response that you get from a manager about an employee and how none of the, none of the answers really standing up to defend Frank. Cause again, look at this, <laughs> none of this, I'm going to read it again. I think this, I think criticism comes with the job. Okay. Frank is a strong minded guy. Okay. He has a great coaching staff. Uh huh. Uh huh nowhere there do you see Frank as a great head coach. None of it. You don't say, we as players have to do a better job of going out and producing on the floor. We're a team in an organization that doesn't mind some adversity. And then it carries on from there. Nowhere in there does he speak up for Frank Vogel, the head coach. And that, given everything that's that's also going on here, is worth keeping in mind. Another quote that I just can't help myself I'm going to laugh at because this is how I cover this team. But uh, LeBron says, this is from Jacob Rude, uh, who, who uh, is one of the beat reporters here for Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, LeBron says he has not seen enough to know if this team is a complete roster based on injuries, including to himself. Quote, I love what Rob and Coach and the front office did to assemble this team. We look forward to the journey ahead. This is also of note because... <laughs> You can't tell me that if the Lakers were where the Golden State Warriors are, for example, that LeBron wouldn't have said what we did to assemble this team. No. In this case, LeBron is saying what everybody else did. Rob, (laughs) coach, front office. They did a fantastic job, right? And, and, you know, I said this a few weeks ago that if the season continues to go this way, and especially if the season doesn't live up to expectations, then what we're going to see at the end of the season is going to be fascinating because you're going to have a whole bunch of people trying to separate themselves from the decisions that led to a team that fell short of expectations. And (laughs) this is very much LeBron kind of started getting that ball rolling. In injury news, uh, Frank Vogel was asked about Trevor Ariza and his availability. Remember, today, by the time y'all are listening to this, uh, f- uh, Trevor Ariza is supposed to be reevaluated. You know, following that four to eight week period that we were told uh, back when Ariza first underwent surgery. So he's going to be reevaluated. I would imagine at some point today, and depending on how that goes, we'll we'll see when he's going to be available. Frank did say that Trevor. Uh, Scrimmaged in yesterday's practice, and that he, Ariza, uh, looked good, but needs to get his legs under him and get his conditioning up. So we're probably, I don't know, probably about a week or so away from Ariza really being available here. And man, that can't come soon enough. Frank was also asked about uh, Kendrick Nunn's availability, and he said that he doesn't think Nunn will be available until 2022 at the earliest. And look, it, I think one thing that we need asked in some of these pressers and some of these scrums, especially after you get a quote like that about a player who, by the way, when he turned his ankle, we, we heard two to three weeks and then we got that bone bruise and he, they said he was out indefinitely, but we were looking at weeks rather than months. We are now months removed from this and he will have been out. Remember, season started back in 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 uh, mid to late October, and it's going to be early January at the at the soonest that we see uh, Kendrick Nunn on the floor. And even then, I wouldn't. I'm not particularly optimistic. We need to find out what other tests the Lakers are running on this guy to see if there's something else going on there beyond a bruise. Because I I asked Jen and about you know if you ever heard of an ankle rehab creating a bone bruise that then lasts for as long as it is again, you know, two and a half months now of, of, of getting over a bone bruise here. And she said, you know, maybe it might've been at the end of his, his rehab and they were ramping him up and maybe he, he bumped knees with somebody or, or he fell or something like that. Um, And I asked, well, what would lead to a bone bruise holding out a player for again, two and a half months plus. And she says, well, if it's anywhere near the cartilage, or, or on the cartilage, it's really difficult to get blood flow there. And as a result, that tends to to heal pretty slowly. And if it doesn't heal, what can sometimes happen is a a surgery to poke holes in that cartilage to, to generate some blood flow there. And then if he gets surgery, now he's out at least two months after that. So it is a very real scenario here where the Lakers don't see Kendrick Nunn at all this season. So my advice to everybody waiting to see Nunn this year, I would probably not hold my breath. And I would probably look at Nunn at this point more as salary ballast for a trade than as a player who might help the Lakers on the court this season. All right, that's going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Uh, I am about to record I Love Basketball with Sabrina. We're kind of switching up the, the, the... Scheduled this week for a really special guest that I have that I'll have on uh, the AI show on Wednesday. Uh, So check that out. As well as later today, we're going to have recaps of Lakers-Celtics at home, and then a pressure cooker tonight uh, at the end of Lakers-Celtics. No matter how that game is going, in a now unnamed arena, they were pulling down the 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 Staples Center uh, letters there, so that was kind of uh, weird to watch from afar as that took place. Uh, But it is Lakers-Celtics game day today, so get ready for what should be a really fun game, a really fun pressure cooker at the end of it, and then a whole bunch of recap and analysis from this feed, SilverSkinRoll.com, this show, Taco Tuesday, all that good stuff. Until all of that, I'm Anthony Ewan saying have a good one.